from North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. This is Stories with a Heartbeat. I'm Will McInerney. I know it's summertime, but today we're going back to school. Three stories and three conflicts in the classroom. Ooh, conflict. I know that's hard. I feel like sometimes I cause conflict. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you have to. Yeah. <laughs> high school student Abigail Stern and her Spanish teacher, Brenda de Leon. We're going to hear from them in a moment, but first, let's start at the beginning with a poem. Jamila Reddy lives in Los Angeles and remembers a moment of conflict from elementary school like it was yesterday. I'll let her take it from here. This is how you learn. You are in the first grade. You love the fixed order of your classroom the nose-level hook for your jacket, the cubby with your name written in your teacher's perfect writing, the posters of smiling children on the wall, how everything is bright and clean and in its own place. You love especially the row of small tables with a plastic chair on each side, each a different color, the stackable kind, with the silver shining legs that are cold to the touch. You have just come back from lunch, and it is time to practice writing your name. You love writing your name. Love the soft yellow paper with the full, then dotted, then full again lines. Love the smell of the eraser, the thrill of starting over. Before the teacher can tell you to do so, you go to take your seat. You like following the rules, like to be first, like it when she says thank you with your name after it. You pull the chair out to sit, but before you do, it is snatched from under you and you hit the ground with a hard, sharp thud. You look around to see what happened, whose fault this is, and you see three boys, three pale faces, three rows of white teeth gleaming. You feel the stinging ache of your tailbone, your wrists sore from breaking your fall, your hot, flushed face. You scan the room for the teacher, for help, for someone to pick you up and ask in a soft voice if you are okay. For the first time, but not the last, you are your only witness. You feel neither sadness nor rage. You do not cry or run after the white teeth screaming. What you feel now is something new, heavy, and terrifying, and you do not know its name. That was This Is How You Learn by poet Jamila Reddy. Kids can be mean, really mean, but how did they get that way, and why? School is just a reflection of the world around us. It's a social incubator, and the small conflicts we experience in the classroom can say a lot about us and our society. From the elementary school playground filled with swing sets, pigtails, and recess scuffles, we're going to pivot to high school now, where hallways are packed with hormones, peer pressure, and still more mean kids. But the conflicts in high school have a different kind of bite to them, and a different set of consequences. 
Our next story comes from my alma mater, Chapel Hill High School in North Carolina. It's about two students and their teacher. It's about identity and belonging. And it's about a nuance in Spanish grammar. To be or to be? That's the question. I was like angry, but I had to keep it inside and just like, ugh, like just I felt like burning, you know? And I know like we like looked at each other and we were like, <laughs> I remember that book <laughs> yeah. very, very well. <laughs> yes. This story is about that look. I'm Yun Nguyen. I'm a student at Chapel Hill High School. I'm 16. I'm a junior. I go by they, them pronouns. I'm Abigail Stern. I'm a senior at Chapel Hill High School this year, and I'm a part of the Queer Youth Circus. Yen and Abigail identify as members of the LGBT community. And while they have the support and love of their family and friends, they say the state they live in, North Carolina, is just not the most welcoming these days. Recent legislation in the state, such as the widely debated House Bill 2, particularly affects people like Yen, who identifies as agender, which literally means without gender. Having to face the fact that people legitimately hate you for a aspect of your identity, it's just really hard to take. It's just like hard to imagine or like comprehend that kind of hatred. If you think about it too much, you don't feel yeah, comfortable no. anymore. <laughs> if but you don't think about it very much, you're yeah. okay. Yeah. Case in point, Spanish class earlier this year. Brenda De Leon is Yen and Abigail's teacher. And one day, she was teaching a simple grammar lesson. To be in Spanish is expressed in two different ways, ser and estar. And so one, one of the ways that it's used for is used for um, more permanent situations. So for example, we were talking about how if you are a dog, you will always be a dog and you will never change. It's not something that you can change. So you use this verb for that. And estar is used for more non-permanent things like feelings that change all the time. Mm -hmm. but then I said, so for example, Ms. De Leon is a girl. Ms. De Leon will always be a girl. Ms. De Leon will not magically turn into a boy. Mm -hmm. And then somebody said, but what if you're going through a gender change? Mm -hmm. This is where the lesson takes a turn. So then I went in to address that. And before I did that, a student yelled out another student's name and said, uh, we'll make up a name. They said, Johnny, kind of like to imply that that person was going through a gender change. Okay, yeah. Johnny vigorously denied the claim and everyone laughed at him. Jokes and snide comments made light of the serious and deeply personal issues of gender identity. Kids do what kids do. They're mean. But that's no excuse. In the moment, Miss De Leon ignored the comments and stuck to the grammar lesson. I remember specifically looking at Yen and Abigail because I know that you are defenders of your LGBTQ groups. And so I, I kind of just looked at you and, and I noticed you look at each other and then you looked at me to see what I was going to do if I was going to deal with the situation and I didn't. I moved along with the conversation and then I looked at you again and I just remember it was, it was like a physical reaction where you kind of just like put your shoulders down and your faces down and it was just kind of a feeling of disappointment. 
I went home and I thought about it more and I remember even asking other teachers and teachers said, nope, don't deal with it, just move on, pretend like it didn't happen, just keep going. And I asked some friends and friends said, nope, don't deal with it, just don't, you know, it's just like, it's better if it happens again, do it, but like, don't open up the conversation, but it's still, it still bothered me. The it we're talking about is the real complexity around gender identity some students go through. The it is how the example Miss DeLeon used in a simple grammar lesson and the jokes that followed. They were hurtful. So she did something about it. The next day we started with a conversation about it and then we talked about um, respect and how the things that we say can affect and hurt other people whether we want them to or not and so just being conscious of the things that we say and how many our LGBT, our queer students in around the world are going through difficult situations. Ms. DeLeon also passed out an article about non-gender conforming people in Mexican culture and asked the students to read and discuss Whoa, it. Whoa, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Um, I just remember you like did the article and Abby and I were like, so good, this is so good. We love Senorita DeLeon yeah. so much. <laughs> yeah. I could like we could like really trust you and stuff because we're like she actually went for it. Yeah, it's <laughs> very brave, definitely. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think and even if one person was informed and educated yeah. a little bit more, then it's worth it. And I think these are the moments that make me feel like I'm in the right career because I love Spanish, but I definitely don't just want to teach grammar. You know, I I want to. I want to be an ally in a, in a situation like this where we're fighting for a group of people and a group of students that need to be fought for. And so that makes me feel like I have a purpose. And I, I mean, it makes me extremely happy, but it makes me feel like I have a purpose other than just teaching students how to speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. I'm a part of something bigger. Yeah. You're getting me going, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, I'm an ugly crier, and I cry all the time. <laughs> I just cry a lot. Just like... These little moments of conflict in school, they shape us. And when someone steps up to support, that has a lasting impact too. For many years, I worked in schools and tried to be that person for youth. My colleagues and I used language to solve conflicts. We tapped into the power of poetry to help kids succeed in school. Our last story today comes from Northern High School in Durham, North Carolina. It's not so much about conflict as it is about overcoming conflict. Three high school students who never thought they'd graduate are getting diplomas. This story is from four years ago. Back then, my beard was a little shorter, my hair was a little longer, and I was teaching after-school poetry classes with my partner in rhyme, Kane Smigo. You'll hear his voice in this piece, too. The program was called Poetic Justice. In each semester for 10 weeks, the students would meet after school to write. Write to counter their conflicts. Write to combat stereotypes. And write to empower themselves. Runaway train on Route 16. I repeat, runaway teen on year 16. If you listen to the iron as a scrape stick, it's I was first at Southern, then I got kicked out of Southern for 
some things that I shouldn't have never done. That's Dante. He's 20 years old and graduating high school today. For most people, four years in high school is enough to make you never want to be in a classroom again. When you spent six years between two schools and you're two years older than all of your peers, dropping out definitely seems like the answer at the back of the book. Even resilience has an expiration date. Um, I ran away when I was 16. I was still in high school, just trying to find myself and uh, make things work. Soon after, Dante's grandmother took him in. He tells us she's the only one who wouldn't let him give up. I, I made it, and I know she's going to be crying on the day. Fantasia's story is a rose stem cut from the thicket. Beautiful but hard to hold in your hands. So nowadays she grips pens and peels back the petals to let us understand. When people look at me, I'm just another black chick, a thick chick. Another yellow red bone chick that lives in the hood. A chick that won't amount to nothing. A 5'3 lost child trying to walk the footprints that was created by so many other hands. A lot of people have an image of what a dropout looks like. Spoken word helps our students challenge those stereotypes and shed light on the complexity of their stories. Family, I mean, it doesn't. I don't really have family to necessarily worry about me graduating, so I push myself to get where I'm going since my mom passed two years ago. So I've been fighting for this day for two years, even stronger than what I was doing already. Lift me up above the Twin Towers that once stood, cause I won't let intruders knock me down. I stand alone, I breathe on my own, I achieve on my own. I climb my own way up my tall missing piece, broken down, afraid to be put together a ladder, blindfolded. And then I shout, mommy, they say I'm almost where you are, but they don't know that you're my angel within my soles and my shoes that push me forward. For some of the students we've been working with, like Fantasia, the challenges outside of the classroom can be beyond difficult. When you lose a parent at 16, how do you keep school on your list of priorities? Fantasia's heart is the boulder that guards her mother's tomb, letting the memories of her creep back out like Lazarus onto her tongue. It always gives me chills how sometimes when she speaks about her mother, it's in the present tense. It almost makes us forget for a moment and imagine that she's just going to show up one day to pick up her daughter after class. But it makes sense because her mother is still very present in her life, in her poetry, in her thoughts. Or as Fantasia says, she is the whispers in the night. I promise I won't let you go. A bond that's unbreakable, that can't be replicated or duplicated. You believe I can do the impossible, the unthinkable. So it's safe for me to open these weary eyes and face the judgmental. So I ask now, when you look at me, am I just another black chick, a thick chick, another yellow red bone chick that lives in the hood? I'll be the first one to walk across the stage out of me and my sister. So I'm doing this for me, my sister, and my mom. Aaron lives with his grandparents. They will be in the stands this afternoon when he gets his diploma, along with a packed row of family coming from all over. So I think some people from Pennsylvania are coming down. 
I hope, hopefully my Aunt Myrtle can make it. That'd be nice. My, my great grandma's already here. She's gonna be there. A couple generations gonna be there. For Aaron, high school ends today, five years after it began. Yeah, man, freshman year, freshman year of high school. Man, I came in here like I was running the place. Never went to class, always hanging out with my peoples. Didn't know what homework was. Um, so I definitely flunked freshman year. I was on the verge of dropping out, not giving a hoot about my education, seeing it as an option, since all I seemed to learn were things I would never use in my life. I was on the verge of being sent to an orphanage due to all the headaches and heartaches caused in a place that felt more like a slaughterhouse than a home. I was on the verge of grabbing a knife and carving out my heart because all it ever did was cause me pain, as if a tumor had grown on it and blocked all of its tunnels like a field. We come into classrooms, group homes, community centers to work with youth with the hope that this art form can be the wild pitch and a full count that helps them walk across a stage or into the next one in their lives. When we met Aaron, he'd already found his game changer. We were just there to nurture it. I remember the first thing that like really made me start focusing on schools when I um, walked past the chorus room and I heard the people singing. I was like, man, I gotta be in there. So I started that next year. Aaron is also a runner. In fact, he was turning his grades around in his athletic promise that caught the eye of a college scout. So much so that he was offered a track and field scholarship to NC State in the fall. It's been a long journey. I was on the verge of failure, and as I stood on my tight wire, juggling the weight of all my pain and stress over a pit of infinite darkness, the tight wire snaps. And before I fall into what I consider my fate, I grab the dangling string and held on for dear life. Grabbing the string and Basically, that's where I was in my life. I was in the middle of a, of a tight wire, and it just got too heavy at a point where my life just snapped, you know, and I figured I was just going to, you know, end up somewhere in the back corner dead or, you know, maybe in jail when it snapped. And I was falling or, like, you know, about ready to give up. I, I grabbed on. Like I said, I, don't, I think it was all this art stuff. I think that's one. I think there's a little string that said art on it or something. I don't know what it was, but like I said, I grabbed on. I said, I held on for a while. I, I slowly climbed back up. The classroom is a crucible. It's a place that defines us. It's a place where we stretch who we are and what we're capable of. And it's also a reflection of the world around us. The racism, the transphobia, and the hurt we cause each other. The conflicts we encounter in school, they pull us down, but they also teach us how to persevere. At the heart of all this are stories. They are the bridge. They are the beacon. In the midst of conflict, our stories connect us.
This is Stories with a Heartbeat. I'm Will McInerney. This podcast is a production of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC, and is produced by David Brower and me. Our music is created by Stephen Levitin, also known as the Apple Juice Kid. To hear more episodes, go to our website, wunc.org heartbeat. We have a five-part series on the Chapel Hill shooting and our most recent episode where poets from across the U.S. reflect on the Pulse nightclub shooting. You can also download Stories with the Heartbeat on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. In Chapel Hill, North Carolina, I'm Will McInerney.